Okay. Well, for those that were here last week, you know that today is the continuation of last week's sermon. So what's the title for today? It's in your bulletin. God is picking a fight with you. And it's based on life of who? Jacob. Jacob. So where we left off is that 20 years had gone by since he had left his, his home. His brother, an enemy, Esau, uh, was on his way to meet him with 400 men, well armed. So he was feeling hopeless. He was feeling a lot of stress. And so there was only one thing left to do, to seek the Lord. To our surprise, the Lord was seeking him. The Lord was seeking him, but not in a peaceful way. He was seeking Jacob to pick a fight with him. So today we're going to try to answer three questions. First of all, when does God decide to pick a fight with us? Number two, why does God want to pick a fight with us? And number three, what are the results that we can expect after the fight is over? What can we expect? So let's go back to the story then, Genesis 32. So let's open our Bibles, verses 22 and 23. Jacob sends all his possessions over the river. So now, you know, he's getting closer to his homeland. It says, and he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over everything that he had. But in verse 24, that's where our study begins this morning. It says, then Jacob was left alone. Yes, Jacob spent the night alone. This was the last night that he would be on the east side of the Jordan. Once he crossed over, he would be entering the promised land. So most likely, and according to patriarchs and prophets, he spent the night in prayer. Now, it is very important that we know that he was alone because God had to get Jacob alone before he could deal with him. While in all his activity of the huge uh, entourage that surrounded Jacob, he, he, he could be so busy with thousand different tasks that he was not going to pay attention to God. So once he was alone, then God commanded his attention. Now, this makes me think a lot of things, but one of the things that I do want to pinpoint is that the most important time you have with God is not when you come to church. Sorry to tell you that. Church is awesome. I mean, come to church and worship and praising God, hearing these special songs and just being here together, the intercessory prayer and so many things that go on in church is, is great, the messages. But did you know that that's not the most important time with God? Even going to a spiritual retreat, you know, sometimes we go to the spiritual retreat, you know, it might be a women's retreat or a men's retreat or, or the church might organize a retreat. And there's, there's a beautiful feeling when you go to these retreats. It's really good. Or when you're involved in some religious activity. But the most important time with God is when you're alone with God. Okay, when you're alone with Him, when you take that quality time to study His Word, to talk to Him, to have conversations with Him. Now, don't you dare say that you're too busy to find time to be alone with God. Amen. Eugene Peterson wrote, Busy is an outrageous scandal, a blasphemous affront to God. Because he's the one that gives you life, so you better make time. 
So don't come with the excuse that you don't have time to be alone with God. Jacob made that time. He stayed on the other side of the river, praying. So do you think that uh, Jacob had a lot of stuff to pray about? <laughs> oh, yes. He had to thank God because God had blessed him during those 20 years, remembering all that God had, had did for him, uh, wondering also how God was going to fulfill his promise because God had promised that he would be the, the, you know, the, the blessing to all nations. And, and so he said, well, well how is God going to fulfill this? Uh, and so actually when you study the, the, the story of Jacob, this is a turning point which is very important that we study together. This was a major, a significant turning point in his life, and he knew it. So when does God pick a fight? So that's the first question we want to answer. Well, to our surprise, he'll pick a fight when you're alone with him. When you're alone with him, in your quiet time with him, when we less expect him to pick a fight with us, that's when he's going to pick a fight. The Bible says in verse 24 and 25, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So, so look what it says here. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Jacob didn't wrestle with the man. Instead, the Bible says that a man wrestled with him. So Jacob didn't start trying to want something from God. God wanted something from him. God wanted all of Jacob's proud self-reliance and fleshy scheming taken away. God came to take all of that pride away, all of that self-reliance, self-sufficiency and he would take it by force if necessary. It doesn't say that he wrestled with the man, but there wrestled a man with him. So that's very important. Because, you know, we, we generally say that Jacob was a wrestling man. But then we forget about the man wrestler. Yes, the wrestling Christ. The wrestling angel of the covenant. This was none other but Jesus Christ that was there fighting with Jacob. So sometimes we forget that it's about him and not about us. So he was wrestling the angel of the covenant who had come to wrestle out of him much of his own strength, much of his own wisdom. Now one thing of this story that is very important is that it is a terrifying story. Terrifying in the fact that God came that night wholly different than anything that Jacob had ever known before. At this point, at least, we can see the Lord was not wrestling with Jacob to have a good time. The Lord was Jacob's opponent. He was picking a fight with Jacob. You know, Ellen White says that that, that place was very famous for robbers and thieves and thugs. And people would get, you know, brutalized. They would get robbed, sometimes even killed in that area. So when this man... Jesus, <laughs> this man grabbed Jacob. He thought the worst. This man is going to kill me. This is the end of my days. He was picking a fight 
with Jacob. Now, I, I, I was just wondering if we ever view God in that lens as our opponent, as our enemy. Because yes, the Lord is our great physician, amen? Yeah, the great healer of souls. He's the provider. He's the resting place. He's our righteousness, our victory. He's the one that sent his son to die for us. But listen to this, folks. Without a healthy fear of God, we can strongly assume God is more for us than for himself. But God is more passionate about his glory than ours. I'll tell you that for a fact. And like Jacob, we often want to use God for our means and our purposes, our own wants. Now, in this wrestling with God, Jacob finally realized that he could not use God for his means. He discovered quite suddenly that the Lord is to be feared, is to be respected. And like Aislinn in the Chronicles of Narnia, he is terrible and he is lovely. Perhaps this incident proved in the life of Jacob a very true understanding that God is God and we are only his creation. Yes, we're only child of the Most High God. So here's our second question. So why does God pick a fight with Jacob? Well, I think the story is pretty, pretty clear. It was to reduce Jacob to a sense of nothingness. To cause him to see what a poor, helpless, and worthless creature he was. And it was to teach us through him, because that's what the Bible says, you know, the stories that were written before were written for our, our teachings. So it was to teach us through him that the important lesson that we can learn is, here is to recognize that in our weakness lies our strength. Thus, one of the main points that we can see in this wrestling match is that weakness is broken to submission. Submission is where there is strength. Submission to God's leading, to God's control, realizing that there's nothing more important than surrendering ourselves to God. There is nothing more determinate than this. Now, the Bible says until the breaking of day. So that was a, that was a long fight. So we can only imagine the scene. Sometimes it looked like a bar fight or sometimes like a really intense wrestling match. But it says that it took a long time. Now, this brings to my mind a question. Now, how did Jacob manage to fight so long? To keep up his struggle during the whole entire night? Well, I do not know. But I do know that his determination to hang in there was no greater than our frequent determination to have our own way and undermine God. Yes, it was brave for Jacob to wrestle. But there was too much of self in all that wrestling. Too much of his own self-sufficiency that was wrestling with God, Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says that he saw that he did not prevail against him. So as the fight progressed, it seemed that Jacob was somewhat evenly matched against the man. But the match was only, like I said last week, just in appearance. For, because this man... 
could have easily won at any time using supernatural, supernatural power. And you know, that's, that happens with us a lot of times. Sometimes we feel that man really can contend with God. A man or woman in rebellion, yes, sometimes we rebel against God and then we think that we're doing pretty well. The match seems only in appearance to be going well. But God can turn the tide in a moment, in a heartbeat. So he allows the match to go on for his own purposes. So that's what happened tonight. That's why he fought so long, because God had a plan. So it isn't hard to imagine Jacob working so hard and feeling that he is getting the best of his opponent until finally the man changed the nature of the struggle in a moment by dislocating his hip just with a touch of his finger. Now Jacob must have felt defeated. So once again, why does God pick a fight? Well, in a Upside-down kingdom, the kingdom of God always surprises us with things because, you know, uh, the poor are really the rich. You know, the Bible says uh, to be poor is to be rich, to mourn is to be comforted. So here we find the reality of the gospel in Genesis. Here we find the account of a wrestling match. Having come in contact face-to-face with the Lord of hosts, with that ever-patient and faithful one, We see at last, and this is very important that you grasp, we see at last a broken and contrite spirit, humble to the core. We see a man dependent upon God rather than dependent on himself. We see Jacob, a picture of a man renewed by the power of God, now made into his own image, finally surrendering his life to God. So, so that's with us. So that we can be humbled. So that we can learn to depend on Him. So it can take us to His final goal of surrendering ourselves to Him. And you know, God will always win the wrestling match. So the faster we surrender, the better. Yes. The faster we surrender, the, the, the faster we submit, the better. So this takes us to the last question. So what are the results that we should expect when the fight is over? Well, verse 26, it says, uh, Jacob's plea to the man. What, What did he say? He says, let me go for the day breaks. That's what the angel of the covenant said. That's what Jesus said. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let me go for the day breaks. So a man... Or this man let Jacob know that the fight was not going to last much longer. But Jacob clung to him desperately like like if it was his life that was depending on it. So he clung desperately. He knew that he had lost the wrestling match. A better, greater man had defeated him. This is an invaluable place for everyone to come to allow God to conquer us. That's a very good place to be. There is nothing said that every man doing his wrestling with God is going to go through the same experience, but we have to acknowledge that God's 
greatness is always going to be there. And that after being defeated, we must know that we serve a God that is greater than us. That we cannot conquer much of anything until God conquers us. See, that, that's, that's the important thing about this, this story. I will not let you go unless you bless me. You, you know, when I was reading this, I, I was thinking that maybe Jacob was demanding God's blessing. And actually, I thought for a moment that maybe he was dictating terms to God. But no, he was not dictating terms to God as he had done in a lot of previous occasions. God overcame Jacob here. And we know from Hosea, which was our scripture reading last week, Hosea chapter 12, verse 3 and 5, that Jacob sought this blessing with weeping. So he was not demanding. He was not dictating terms to God. He was weeping. He knew that he had been defeated, yet desperately wanted the blessing from the creator God. Unless you bless me. Yes, he had always been very clever and sneaky. He had never really felt the need to trust in God alone. But now he could only rely on God's blessing. So Jacob was reduced to a place where all he could do was hold on to the Lord. That is a beautiful place to be. Hold on. Here God answered Jacob's prayer. You remember we studied that last week? He had made a beautiful prayer. Well, this is where God is answering his prayer. But God could deliver Jacob from the hand of his brother. He had to deliver him from himself. He had to deliver him from his self-reliance. An author once wrote that it is evident that as soon as he felt that he must fall, he grasped the other man with a kind of death grip that would not let him go. Now in his weakness, he will prevail. While he was so strong, he won not a blessing. But when he became weak, he became a conqueror. Now, Jacob thought that the real enemy was outside of him. He thought that his brother was his enemy. But his real enemy was inside of himself. His own carnal, fleshy nature that had not been conquered by God yet. So, what are the results that we can expect after the fight is over? Let's look at verse 27 and 29 through 29. Jacob's name is changed, and he is blessed. Look at this. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked and saying, tell me your name. He already knew who he was. That's why he didn't get an answer. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And look, look how it ends. And he blessed him there. What is your name? When he was asked that question, man, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that he must have felt such a shame. He must have been so shameful admitting that his name was Jacob with all the associations of deception, of cheating, of lies. But that is who he was. And Jacob had to admit it. That's why God says, what is your name? Now, we all want our name, a name for ourselves, right? Got to be careful with that. 
God wouldn't allow Jacob to cover up his name because in his case, it reflected his true nature. Because Jacob means deceitful, means a liar, a cheater. So your name shall no longer be called what? Jacob, but Israel. So Israel is a compound name in Hebrew. From Saha means fight, struggle, or to rule. And El, which means God. So the word Israel means he who struggles with God or he who rules with God. Isn't that amazing? He gave him a new identity. And you know, it's interesting how from that time on, the Bible records, listen to this, the Bible calls Jacob twice as often as he is called Israel. Isn't that weird? Don't you find something awkward there? He just had an experience where he has had his name changed, and yet the author of the book of Genesis calls him Jacob twice as much as he is called Israel. Well, I am afraid that that's what happens to a lot of God's chosen people. Yeah, we are Israel sometimes, and sometimes we are Jacob, and probably more Jacob than Israel. Because sometimes we feel strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. But sometimes we have to remember what Jesus said. Yeah, the, 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 the Spirit, the Spirit wants to follow God's leading, but the flesh is weak. So, for you to struggle with God and man and prevail is something very important. Jacob prevailed in what sense? In the sense that he endured through the struggle until God thoroughly conquered him. When you battle with God, it is only in losing that you win. It is only acknowledging that you are nothing when you become something. It's acknowledging that you're nobody until he makes you somebody. So you only win by losing, by not giving up until you know you have lost. This is how Jacob prevailed. And then it says, and he blessed him there. Now, surely this was a, a, a blessing that was very special. It was a blessing of the passing of the old Jacob, his old life, to his new life as Israel. So I think that, that is a very important thing. Now, what are the results that we should expect when the fight is over? Number one. God will change your name. What does that mean? Oh, yes. He will change the course of your life and he will change your character. Because, you know, there's, there's this quote in, in, in Ellen's White writing that I love. It says that Jesus will not come until his people represent his character perfectly. So he has to change our character, folks. We still have a lot of growing to do. So the first thing that we can expect as a result is that God will change our name. He will change the course of our lives. He will change our character. But then he will also tell us who we are. Our identity will be rediscovered. We can believe in who we are because of what God says who we are. So this week on the radio, I have uh, the satellite radio. I was listening to a Christian station and there was a song that came on. And I want to share it with you because I think a lot of our struggles today is exactly because we don't really know who we are. And there's a lot of people telling us who we are not. And we believe those lies. So, so let's just listen to this song 
and, uh, and try to understand how important it is to find your identity in this story. The song is You Say. Fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know You say I am love when I can't feel a thing You say I am strong when I think I am weak You say I am hell When I'm falling short When I don't belong You say I am yours And I believe I believe What you say of me I believe matters now is everything you think of me in you I find my worth in you I find my identity you say I am love when I can't feel a thing you say Say I am yours And I believe
picking a fight with us. He will make us victorious. He will make us a winner. And He will bless us. Now, I just want to make something very clear. Don't think that, that picking a fight is a one-time thing. No. Every time you start to wander off, every time you start thinking that you're more important, every time that you think it's about you, every time that you are not taking time to be alone with God because you say you're too busy, he'll pick a fight with you again to take you back to that place of recognition that we have to depend on him, that we have to trust in him, that only he can get us through. I want to conclude with two memorials of that event. So let's go to verse 30 and 32. 30 to 32. It says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. It means to see God face to face. That's what the word means. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. The Bible says, therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the, the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. So the first monument that we see here is that Jacob called that place Peniel. The first memorial is the name face to face with God, Peniel. Well, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't know the name of the person he fought or who fought with him. So the first memorial is the name Peniel. Let's remember that name because every time God picks a fight with you, you have a chance to experience God like in no other way. And number two, he limped on his hip. So this was a perpetual limp. He didn't get healed from that. Jacob would remember from then on that he had been conquered by God. In every single step he took, he would remember that night, that experience with God. Oh yes, this was a small price to pay for such a big gift. So I want to make an altar call today. I know one of the biggest struggles we have is to spend quality time with Jesus, so don't say it isn't. Even as a pastor, my quiet time, five to six in the morning, there's always things that come up. See, I have to have my quiet time before anybody does anything in my house. And it's a struggle. And don't get discouraged because one day you don't have your quiet time with God because you're connected with Him during the day anyway. But that quiet time with God is so vital because it's at that moment when you're alone with God when God picks with you and changes you. So I make an altar call today to spend time with God and let Him wrestle with you. Quiet time, special time to seek Him. 
but also allowing him to pick fights that will allow us to trust him more and more as time goes by. Because the only folks that are going to be ready for the final crisis is those that trust God. You heard me? Only those that trust God will be ready for the final crisis. So let's allow him to pick fights with us if that's going to take us to trust him. May he take us to a point of surrender. And may I invite you to find your identity in God and be blessed by the blessing that you need. Maybe your blessing is different than the one I need. But allow him to bless you. Just hold on. Once you know that you've been conquered, that you lost the battle, just hold on and say, God, bless me with the blessing that I need. You know what that is. So if that's your decision today to make quiet time for God, to allow God to pick fights with you now and then, but to be victorious in the name of Jesus, can you stand up, please? Say, I want Jacob's experience to be my experience. And don't forget that there's going to come a time, dear folks, when grace is going to be closed, that door. Jacob's time of trouble, I don't know if you remember that. But when Jesus leaves the sanctuary in heaven, and he's not going to intercede anymore, we're going to have a battle just like Jacob, where we're going to feel insecure of our salvation, we're going to feel that maybe we've been lost because we hadn't fixed something with the Lord. And you're going to have a battle with God like you have never had before. But you can only win that battle if you win the battles day by day. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this beautiful story of Jacob. And yes, sometimes we might have to see you as an opponent, as an enemy, so that you can do what you have to do in us. And take away the things that are in our character and our lives that are messing us up. God, help us to lose in order to win. To be conquered so that we can be a conqueror. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing opportunity to give our lives to you. To surrender to you. To decide each and every one of us, to spend more time with you, alone. Yes, it's awesome coming to church and doing things together, but the most important moment in our life is when we're alone with you. Dear Jesus, bless my church family. We want to be in heaven, Lord. And we know it's all about you, allowing you in our lives, allowing your mercy and your grace to help us overcome our sins. And to allow us to serve you as you would want us to. God, we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we all stand and sing our closing hymn, hymn number 462, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a fortress of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washing His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture, numbers on my side, angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love, this is my story. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. My Savior, I'm happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. Dear God, thank you so much for the blessing of the Sabbath. And now as we continue enjoying this blessed day, this holy day, we ask you, God, to allow us to be a blessing to others also. Thank you for your love, for your mercy. Thank you for everything you have done this far for us. And thank you for your promise that he who began the good work will be faithful into completing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we will be dismissed. I uh, just want to remind you about the Leadership Summit. So if you want to carpool elders with some of your uh, ministries that you're mentoring, whatever. But we'll see you guys at the Brazilian Church at 4 o'clock. <laughs>